1: Betty Joe Tucker, thanking you for being brave enough to tune in to our second episode of this year's Horror Month on Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because filmmaker David Spaltrow is here to talk about In the Dark, his scary new horror movie that's having its world premiere this Friday. Now, we'll bring David on just as soon as I remind the people who will sign up for the chat to avoid the creepy spiders that are in there. And you might have some trouble dealing with the nasty cobwebs, but I think you will enjoy the show in spite of how scary it is in our chat room today. I am I just appreciate everyone who signs up for the chat, as well as our other listeners. And I also appreciate David Spaltro for taking the time to be with us this afternoon. I think this is his third visit. Welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters, David. Hey, thank you so much for
2: having me again. This is our third dance.
1: Well, we're always excited to have you with us, and uh, especially today to talk about In the Dark. You know, because you've read my review, it's one of my <laughs> favorite scary movies now, oh. and I have lots and lots of questions for you. But I first, I want to remind listeners about your impressive background, David. Cool. David previously wrote, directed, produced, and edited two wonderful feature films around and Things I Don't Understand, which, by the way, folks, screened in over 45 film festivals and won 18 Best Feature Awards, as well as a host of acting, writing, and directing honors. He also directed the short films The Cat's Cradle and Drug Mule. He holds a BFA in directing taught English for six months in Korea, worked as an editor on a behind-the-scenes feature for Where the Wild Things Are, served as a production assistant on Gracie, and is an avid boxer with training in several martial arts styles. He also co-executive produced the web series Caught in the Act. Wow, you've been very busy, David. But after (coughs) seeing your first two feature films around and things I don't understand, I have to admit being surprised when I found out you were doing a horror flick. How'd you happen to get involved with that genre?
2: Oh my god, it was completely accidental. Um I, I, I love horror and making this movie I sort of refound my love of how much I like horror films. I, I normally did, you know, my previous work um that you've reviewed dramas, um, more human kind of comedy. Uh, New York slice-of-life stories. Um, I I had been trying to develop some other feature films that kind of got stuck in financial limbo. And I came across an investor who, he wanted to make horror films. So normally, you know, where I or another filmmaker, they they raise money on an independent level. Um, This time, somebody was had money and wanted to make a horror film and sort of hired me to kind of write and direct it. Um, And normally, you know, I had been offered horror films in the past that weren't good, that someone else wrote. Um, It it, it just wasn't something I wanted to do. I found it very exploitive. Um, But this was an opportunity to see if I could work, you know, for me as a filmmaker to grow and try something different. Um, And it was an opportunity to make a film. So I I kind of ran with it. And um, I watched a lot of horror movies and uh, saw what was out there. And came up with a story that, um, you know, it's a horror film, um, but in many ways, if you were to watch my other two previous films and this film, other than, you know, some of the supernatural or um, horror elements, um, it, it's very similar in that it's it's very much focused on characters and um, a very personal journey. Um, this one just happens to have some really uh, scary stuff in it.
1: Oh yes, I uh, it does have have the the similarities absolutely, and um, I do want us to talk more about uh, in the dark. But I also wanted to know uh, why you think that horror movies are so popular. I love them, and uh, I I don't know why except that I I just feel, you know, so excited when I'm going to see a horror movie, and mm-hmm. I you know I feel like I'm pretty safe in the in the theater you know so they can you know kind of uh do whatever they want on the screen and as long as i'm safe there i can i can be afraid <laughs> and i don't know that seems to be uh, sort of incongruous but why why do we love these these movies
2: so much do you think i think it just taps into our primal fears i mean we we we've been telling stories since you know, the first caveman started putting stuff on the walls. Um, and, and horror films, horror is a great, it, it taps into our, our fears, our, our primal, you know, uh, it, it, it's everything that makes us human beings. And it's a great way, I mean, I just, the, it kicks in that adrenaline. I think you go to a horror film yeah. and you, you know, it, it. there's nothing better than like, you're, in, you're safe. You're sitting in your theater or you're sitting at home and you're scared you're terrified you're you're you know you're very anxious for whoever's about to be you know in in some kind of issue in the, in in the in the movie um but that safety kind of keeps you grounded but you get to feel all the stuff you would all that adrenaline all that stuff and then and then and then it's over and then you can kind of laugh it off and but you've been able to kind of it's just that that I think it's just all that adrenaline um and I think they also you know one of the things that I found while making this film is that the horror genre, whether it's been, you know, old literature or movies, is very metaphor heavy. So a lot of people have used it to tell stories, whether it was the social times or or that they weren't able to talk about certain things. They were able to use horror and the metaphors of demons and vampires, you know, um, you know in, in repressive society to talk about things kind of like code. You know, um, vampires were about sexuality at a time where it was very – sort of prudish and you couldn't really talk about it. Um, and, right. and, you know, George Romero's, George Romero's zombies are critiques on, you know, consumerism and, and various other, you know, depending on what decade he made the movie. So for me, I think horror films will be with us forever because they tap into that primal sort of fear and energy, think, but at the same time, they're, yeah.
1: I think that, that explains uh, a lot, and it is true. From uh, an early age, we love. We love to be frightened as long as it's in a mm-hmm. safe environment. Yeah. My first I think I may have told you this before, but the first movie that I remember seeing was uh, Frankenstein, and that's the Boris Karloff film, and yeah. I saw the I saw it when it was first released. <laughs> Believe it or not, and uh, I was about six years old, and I was—I found, oh you know, God. I just went under under my uh, the theater seat. I just—I was so frightened, but I just kept peeking out, and I kept looking. You know, I was just fascinated by the by the monster, and so I—I yeah. I just was hooked. I was hooked there <laughs> on movies. So it's all, so my being a movie addict, it all goes back to Frankenstein. I'm blaming it on Frankenstein. Huh. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what is your all time favorite horror movie?
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I I I have to bow down to The Exorcist, I think, um, not even just as a horror film, but as a film, it's still so, you know, 40 years later, it's so powerful. It's it's one of those films you can play. For someone who's never seen it, and someone who has seen it a hundred times, and it, it just has this power and this emotion, and works on so many different levels, um, it just—it, I don't know how you top it. And I think I was very, you know, because we dealt with similar themes, and in the dark, um, you know, and many other films have tried, whether it's exorcism or demons, um, you can't—you can't top The Exorcist. And a lot of film, if, if you even try, even if you pull it off, it's still. It, it feels like a knockoff in comparison to it. Um, so I was very cautious about not trying to to touch that hollowed ground, so to speak. But I just think that film works on such a visceral level, in, whether the performances or the effects and the sound design. It's just – it's it's the Everest of horror films.
1: And, and which movie was that? I'm having a little trouble here, um, a little bit of oh, feedback. Oh, The, the here. Exorcist. Oh, the Exorcist. the Exorcist, of course. I I love <laughs> The Exorcist and I, I I'm glad that you picked that one because that as I mentioned to you uh before the show, I do um have uh, a special place in my heart for this uh, whole demonic position and the way it's dealt with in in films. And uh, of course, uh, you you hit home with me because that was the theme of your of your movie <laughs> in the dark yeah. and uh, what a great job you you've done with this uh how, where did you get the idea for in in the dark was that um from your um interest in the in the
2: exorcist um you know it was i, I had no intention of doing something that kind of dealt with demonic possession um i, I didn't really honestly when i took the job I still then had to come up and write a script because again I didn't look to make a horror film someone kind of wanted to make a horror film and it was just a very quick process. So when I was looking for ideas to write the script, I was doing a lot of research and I came across this very it was very scary article. Um it, it was a Columbia grad um psychology paper, like the same kind of paper medical, you know, published that you would have about any rare disease, leukemia. Um very scientific, very like you know, plain and bland and, and matter of fact. But it was about a case of demonic possession. And this psychiatrist, um, doctor, talked about this patient and all these, these supernatural things that were going on, but he did it in a very matter of fact again, the same way you would like talk about symptoms of any disease. And there was something to me so chilling about science kind of colliding with something beyond science um and 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 how somebody would deal with that and so that kind of was the seed uh of telling this story um and also trying to um tell a, a, a story that has a lot of family dynamics like this movie um and and explore with that too well it
1: it was um definitely had so much so much to it and I lately I've been doing. In fact, I think you kind of egged me on, on on this. I, <laughs> I think I once mentioned. I once mentioned on Facebook that I was taking a lot of risks and I didn't know how that was going to pan out. That I was doing movie reviews um, in poetry form. <laughs> and, yes. And you and you said, oh no, you said, oh yes, you c You should continue do doing that or something. So I had to, uh, and I wanted to uh try to capsulize, uh in the dark in you know in in just a short poem so i w- i have been sharing these with the listeners and and they haven't taken me demanded that i get off the air yet so <laughs> i'm going <laughs> to i'd like to, uh, if time. that's okay i'd like like yes. to read this uh, a sad daughter starts acting weird could demons be what should be feared or is it just her mental state Two helpers come. Are they too late? In the dark evokes our fear of scary things that could be near and secrets we're afraid to tell, plus darkness in a special hell. The film oozes suspense and dread, which stay a long time in our head. Great horror films should do all this, like in the dark, one not to miss. So when I sent you that poem... (laughs) You said that that you, something about Doctor Seuss couldn't have done it better, and I and I said back I was going for Edgar Allan Poe. So, but at I any know, rate, I
2: think I think if you drop a beat underneath that, you might even have a freestyle uh, hip hop song. You never know. It was good.
1: Yeah, we could put this to music, I guess. Yeah, yeah. drum beats Absolutely. or something. But what yeah. I was trying to. Uh, let let uh, readers know, and I did do a full a, a full review. And uh, dear listeners, if you want to read that review, it's over on um, Real Talk Movie Reviews. That's R E E L Real Talk Movie Reviews. dot Yes, R E E L Real Talk Movie Reviews. dot com. But um, but at any rate, tell us a little bit about this. Uh, how you Got this wonderful cast to play the the daughter and the mother, and the psychi- and the paranormal specialist and the uh, skeptical grad student and and put them all together.
2: Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, luckily, uh, two two of the actresses in the film, Lynn Justinger and Grace Folsom, of course, um, both I had worked with uh, previously in things I Don't understand. My last feature, Grace, won several awards. Um, She had kind of had a a large supporting role and Lynn Lynn had a much smaller role, but she was somebody who I have just been dying to really work with on something involved um, the last couple of years. So I I wrote the script pretty much with them in mind. And then the two other actresses, Catherine Cobb Ryan, who plays the mother and Fiona Hargan, sort of the paranormal specialist, very haunted paranormal specialist. Um, I had met them over the years um, teaching workshops um, for actors um, and again, just people that I had, you know, worked with briefly that way and kind of wanted to work with. Um, so they came in and auditioned, but I had really kind of written the roles uh, for the four of them kind of in mind. Um, and, and you know, I guess I did a good job where I really kind of knew they'd be right for it because they really just brought their A game. You know, and when you make an independent film, whether you're making a drama for a horror film, um, the best special effect you can have is a really good cast because especially, I think even more so, a film like this that has so many elements um, that are not realistic, it needs to be grounded in realism of the story but of also the performances because then you're really scared. You know what I mean? If you if you go into a horror film already kind of tipping the hat at you that, that it's, it's, it's not real and, and there's no fear, but if you are engaged with characters that seem real and, and three dimensional, like Lynn and Grace and Fiona and Catherine, were able to do. Then the fear is there because you're like, oh my god, oh oh no, I don't want. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot stronger that way.
1: Oh, I agree, and uh, you do have the knack of uh, making sure that the performances in your movies are very realistic. And it was so important for this movie for the very reasons that you're uh, that you're talking about and um you've you've said that this is a lo- lovingly bloody valentine to uh, the works of Stephen King, John Carpenter and the Exorcist and i i think you you definitely pulled that off <laughs> what do you uh, did you do anything special while working with the with the cast to get the these splendid performances
2: um I wish I could say I did. Um, we really didn't have the time. Again, this project came together very quickly, um, and and sort of unexpectedly. Um, but I think the, the, you know, as much as I'd love to take credit for the performances, I, I, you know, the skeleton of the script is mine. And of course I, you know, I try to talk to the actors and we did do a little rehearsal. Um, but honestly it's, it's just casting the right people. I mean, they're all such talented actors. Um, I worked really well with them, and and they really just kind of did the prep and 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 were ready to kind of like really just give it their all. Um, it, it, I, I think that's the trick that you can't you know, you, it's it's really hard to explain, but it's it's literally casting is so important um, to the performance. And then you know again, there's work for for me as a director. It's never about trying to get the performance; it's always trying to. Work with the actor to make it great or make it even better um with like little details or, or what talk to them about it, see what's going on um but for me, if you've already cast a really talented actor who's right for the part it it's just it's it comes together you know and and they're they're just such talented actors
1: oh well, that that makes a lot of sense and um the uh I think that the uh cast members respond well you know when they know that this is what the director is is looking for um you know uh, i found one one thing in your movie that just uh enhances it i mean puts it a step above the other demonic uh possession films even even the exorcist i'll have to say i know that may be sacrilegious Uh-oh. with horror fans but it's this long conversation between the um, one of the characters, I don't want to give everything away, and the sure. person who is possessed by the the demon, how how long did that run on screen? And um, why did that's that's pretty fearless filmmaking to to make yeah. a, a long yeah. scene like that? I, I I want you to talk a little bit about that because that was totally off the charts for me it was just fantastic
2: i mean it was a real joy to write i think again you know having having the luxury of writing for talented actors that you have worked with that you know that you know can do something kind of gave me the the cojones kind of to, to to write that and to kind of know that we could pull it off um it's a 12 minute scene it was i think it was like 15 pages it took one whole day to shoot and it is, it is sort of this really in the middle of the movie, this big, it's the big reveal that this is not something that is not supernatural. And at the same time, it's, it, there's so much, you know, it is just two people in a basement, literally kind of just talking to each other um, for the most part. And it's, terrifying and i played it for audiences and you know we added score and a little bit of sound design but it's the performances of the two actors the whole story has been leading to these two people and whether or not something more awful is happening in this house than someone thinks and i was just like it you know as a filmmaker when you're when you're tasked with coming up with something and you know you have a limited amount of time or a limited amount of budget um uh, you can be you know you can push yourself and try to rise above that or you can kind of just be stubborn and and, and not take into account you know what time what you know how much you have or you can say okay this is going to be my gift and I'm going to do something different because I have to Um, and so this is my chance to be like okay this is going to be a different kind of horror film this is going to be about real fear and the tension in that scene it just slowly 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 builds um, and then to the point where when someone moves you're, I've seen an entire audience kind of shift back as soon as someone just kind of gets up and turns because at that point, they're like, something should have happened by now. What is happening? And and then when we do hit the home run with it, um, you know, all hell pretty much breaks loose for the rest of the movie. So it's not exactly the normal narrative. Um no. but, but it was something that, I, it's my, fa- honestly, that scene is my, fa- and I've said it before, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. Those two actors and that whole sequence is just, for me, it, it's it's the kind of storytelling that I like to do best.
1: Oh, I'm so glad that that you do because it uh, it really does make the the film something uh, extra special. How and um, did was that just all one shot or did you have to cut and you know go back through? How many takes did you have to make on that?
2: Oh, I mean, we shot a bunch of coverage, but that was I mean that that whole sequence took up one whole day of shooting Um, just, 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 I think, again, it's a, it's a, I think it runs right now at like 12 minutes uh, as a scene and it's, or I think 10 minutes and it's um, just, you know, it's just two people. So on, on the one hand, it's, it's fairly easy to shoot because you you have to shoot more coverage, but it's, again, it's no one's running around the room. They're sort of talking to each other, but there's also a couple of moments where we have some special effects and some other, some other things happening. Um, so it, it was just, just kind of diving in with the actors and them them having the, you know, because you're shooting things slightly out of order or, you know, you're again, you're for 12 hours straight, you're shooting the same sequence of pages. Um, and it's a very emotional, long scene. Um, so for the actors, it's kind of them, their marathon in a way, because they've got to keep up the same energy they had at nine in the morning, you know, at, at 11 p.m. when we're still shooting um and, uh-huh. and and just keep giving consistent performances so so i mean again kudos to them for not only for doing it but for doing it that entire day um and so well
1: yeah kudos is right and um how how did you get that uh demon voice
2: oh that is um the the gentleman who has sound mixed uh both of my previous features um carlos storm martinez that was all sound design we um we worked at a Post Technicolor in New York, um, and he—I think—he he almost broke his machine with, with trying to create um, the, the, the sort of demonic sound that, that the, uh, the, the character has. Um, but we took a bunch of voices, a um, bunch of us all recorded stuff, and he mixed in all kinds of sounds and animals um, and kind of just layered it in. So we had so many different um, soundtracks underneath, um, you know, the main character's voice. So when she spoke, it sounded like a legion of hell kind of coming out of her mouth. I know. That <laughs> it was
1: really scary. That was really, really scary. Oh man, it worked. It definitely, it definitely worked. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I I really really enjoyed in uh, this. Well, there are so many things, but it, it's kind of the slow uh, buildup. Before things get get scary, and the relationship between the uh, skeptical grad student and the paranormal psych, uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, parent researcher, I guess, and yes, yes. Um, that was because there's not anything really scary happening for for a while, so so you're kind of sitting back as a somebody watching the the movie and uh, you know something is going to happen. And you just, you know, you're building the suspense, but it's, but it's slowly coming on. And uh, was that something that you deliberately did? Is that important in a, in a horror movie, that slow
2: buildup? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, again, if you, once you establish a certain kind of mood or, or um, tone in a film, you know, you you have to kind of build upon it. And if you start too strong too soon, whether it's a horror film or anything else, it's like, you know, where do you go? You know, and for me, um, the kind of horror that I like, um, and I think I referenced, you know, what inspired me is Stephen King and and even the X-Files is that, you know, Stephen King's books are these amazing, his characters are so rich. and, And you read, you know, the first 100, 150 pages of his scariest stuff, is just establishing characters and establishing the reality and little minute details of these people's lives. And it's all so well written and the characters are so believable that you're enjoying it. Even if you were like picking it up because you wanted to be scared, you're enjoying the story to the point where you're sucked in the story, you're sucked into the characters. um, And you forget that that you're reading a horror story or that you're watching a horror movie and then all of a sudden that's when you unleash stuff and you're like, Oh, Oh wait, that's right. You know? And I think trying to lull people into that, establishing the characters, establishing the mood, almost kind of taking the audience and putting it in the shoes of the skeptic where they start to question, you know, because we set up the one person who believes it's very supernatural is a very haunted not not quite the most reliable narrator or character to begin with. So, in doing that, you kind of really put the audience in the foot of the skeptic who's then kind of taken on a road to hell. And I think that to me is scarier because once you've accepted like no this isn't true and then you kind of um it, it just propels it forward more for me.
1: Yes, and um I think that that is really helpful in a in a horror movie to have, you know, the Background information on the on the characters and the slow build up. Yeah. What what other elements are extremely important for a horror film? And and how did you handle that in your movie?
2: Uh, I mean, I was very fortunate. This is the third time I've gotten to work with Gus Sachs, who was um, he he was the, the cinematographer on Things that I Don't Understand, and he did a short film called Cat's Cradle with me. Um, and he had, he had always wanted to shoot one of these kinds of films, um, so it was really fun to be able to go to him and say, Hey, listen, I have this, this horror movie and you know, this is what it's going to be. So, I mean, he came, he came up, him and his, um, his team, Andrew Hubbard, who was the gaffer who helped design the lighting, just a really solid team that really gave us production value for nothing. Um, and uh, the, but even more important than that, no matter how well you shoot a film, no matter how good the performances are or the special effects, um, a horror movie lives and dies on its sound. So between Carlos mm-hmm. doing, you know, The demon voice and just just the ambiance and the sound I was able to get uh Fritz Myers who's a really talented composer he did um a film called White Reindeer a couple years ago Mm -hmm. um an IFC film um and and another film Sushi Girl and just he created a he just once we had the music mixed in it it everything we every you know we thought the film kind of worked and was a little scary but once once we had his his score um it's it just it's a different movie, you know. And a, a you know, you turn the sound off any horror film that you love, and it's just not the same. So sound is such a huge important thing. And I got to play with it in a way I never would have if I hadn't done a horror film.
1: Oh, lucky you and lucky us! <laughs> After
2: yeah. watching yeah.
1: it, yes. Yeah, oh, I I think you're right. The importance of the sound in a horror film and the way it way it looks, and I think the fact that you had so much of uh, what's happening uh, it could take place in a base basement, that sort of added to the, you know, sort of the frightening uh, element, and uh, you certainly have uh, put together something that uh, that uh, I I am very happy to list as one of my favorite horror movies, and I wonder what you enjoyed the most about um, filming in the dark.
2: Um, you know, for me as a director, the reason, the reason I make films, um, and, and not just write, or is the collaboration. I love working with the actors and the the crew. So, uh, this is actually the most enjoyable, uh, filming experience, uh, on set because it was just, I wasn't, I wasn't the first time that I wasn't producing and I wasn't sort of involved in that whole side of things. So once we actually got to set, you know, we had to move fast and hard, um, but I just I, I was surrounded by a cast that I adore probably my favorite cast that I had and uh just you know just just the everyday things where you're just you're working as a team to solve problems and get the consistent vision um of the story um so yeah I mean it was just, it was and it was you know again it was really fun to do to grow as a filmmaker again it, with a different genre in that like you know some of those more scary setup you know horror film moments those are just shooting. That is so different than the, sh- the way we shoot, you know, uh, a long scene or a different scene in a, in a drama, for instance. Um, just the amount of setups and the amount of like planning, uh, and and also, I mean, for me, the, the the most interesting thing is any other film I've ever done. You know, you have a vision and you're shooting the film, and you put together that first edit, of the movie, and you kind of already that's what the, you know with, with some light flourishes. That's pretty much what the movie's going to be with this film. You know, there were things I was doing that I'm like, you know, I've never done this before. I really hope this comes together, the way, you know, the way that you're trying to do it because it's just such a different animal. Um, so it was just, it was fun, it was exciting, and it was, it was a challenge that uh, hopefully we all came together and, and rose to to, to above.
1: It's that's so important. I think that that you have that type of type of experience with the film, with the people that are all involved in the film. And um, I, my next question, I know we're we're moving moving along. It's um, past the 30 uh, minutes, and my next question for you is going to be what you consider your biggest challenge in uh, filming uh, in the dark. But while you're thinking about that, David. I want to play these brief messages from two loyal listeners. Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here,
0: host of Comedy Concepts, Blog Talk Radio. And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Jo Tucker. listening to movie attic headquarters with your host betty joe tucker she's the real deal in what's happening on film and if you're not real careful you might hear the confessions of a movie addict. so get your popcorn and stay right there in your seat for movie attic headquarters and now back to our feature
1: So much, Nancy and Steve, for those fun promos. And dear listeners, mm-hmm. be sure to check out Nancy's very funny comedy concept show right here on Blog Talk Radio each Monday and Friday morning at 10:30 Eastern Time. I'm addicted to comedy concepts; such an entertaining show. Another entertaining show you should check out is the Mom and Pop Shop Radio Show hosted by Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger. It airs over there on Dreamstream Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and it's so much fun at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget all the diverse shows on the Wacko Network here on Blog Talk Radio. There's something for everyone in the Wacko Wheelhouse. Now back to In the Dark and David Spaltro. David, you must have faced some important challenges while filming this scary movie. And as you look back, what was your biggest challenge?
2: Jeez. Uh, um I think for me, the, the biggest challenge, um, you're always pressed for time and money. I think no matter how big the budget is, no matter how small the budget is, You know, I've talked to different filmmakers and colleagues that have worked at all different levels, and I think you're always just because so much that happens is planned for, and yet so much that happens is also unpredictable (laughs) as life is. Um, You're just always just trying to get the best performance, get the best shot, get the, get the movie that you want. And you're fighting against the entire universe, always conspiring in some way against you. So um, the specific challenges that I had were, were no different than any other project Um, in, in the only other thing again, is that, you know, because it was such a different animal than I was used to making um, it. it, I I was confident that I, you know, from, from having the solid team of the actors and the crew and sort of really doing my homework and prepping that I was pulling it off. um, You know, I I honestly could not tell you that I, I knew it until we put the film together. Or honestly, I could not tell you that the entire film came together until we did the final mix, you know, six or seven months after we wrapped shooting, because, you know, so much of it just depended on stuff that came later, special effects and, you know, again, sound and score um, was just so important to the film. So it was just sort of faith and, and preparation.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that that would be a, a challenge. And it sounds like you you probably wouldn't have done um, anything different, even if you had uh, a bigger budget and uh a longer time to work on it. Am I right about that? Um,
2: y- yes and no. I, I definitely still would. The, this, this kind of film is the kind of horror film that I'm interested in, the more sort of slow burn, um, genuinely scary um, film. I think, again, you just you always wish you had more time and more resources, you know, just to get it even more right. I think, because again, there were some days that you're still, you're under a certain time constraint, you know? um, And, you know, you you would love to be able to give the actor another take if they wanted it, or if you really just wanted something else or, or give the DP, Hey, listen, here's another hour to light this, you know, or we can do another setup so we can do, you know what I mean? Like there's just a variety of things, but, but overall, no, I mean, overall I was very fortunate in that a lot of my vision stayed consistent um, for what this was supposed to be. Well, it couldn't be more right
1: as far as I'm concerned, and I'm wondering oh. when when our listeners uh, would be able to see In the Dark. I know you're starting off on the uh, film festival circuit, and you have your big premiere on yeah. uh, Friday, yeah. but do you have any predictions as to when the film will be available, maybe on DVD or
2: online or
1: in the theaters? Yeah, I mean...
2: Uh, we're we're having our world premiere at the Tallgrass Film Festival in Wichita, Kansas, this Thursday at nine o'clock, and we'll be in Buffalo this weekend. The lead actress, Lynn, she's from Buffalo, and then we're hitting a few different spots this month. Um, and hopefully, uh, we have a couple of people interested in the film right now. So, you know, uh, if all goes well according to plan, um, we should be released sometime in mid you know, 2016, um, depending on a few things. So, um, and anybody who wants to keep up with us in both screenings, because we'll be taking it around the place but also when we get released, they can find us at Facebook slash uh, in the dark with us film. That's Facebook slash in the dark with us film. Um, And, you know, we'll keep everybody posted on stuff.
1: Yes. I, well, that's good news. That's very, very good news. And um, I see that our time has gone by so fast. (laughs) It's always that way when you're, when you're here on movie addict headquarters, we, we learned so much from you and you're just, such a, a terrific guest uh thank is you. there anything else that you would like to add we we're heading to the home stretch here where where we have to have some closing announcements but is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners
2: um i would just say that uh i, I hope you guys enjoy if you get a chance to see this film a lot of people worked really hard on it and uh, i just want to thank you again i mean you've been such a great um support for me and my work. And, and anytime I can come on, I'd love, I love it. So thank you so much for the opportunity again to kind of show you the film.
1: Wow. I might just take you up on that. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my <laughs> pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just hope that your world premiere is uh, successful. And I know we'll hear about it on Facebook because you're so good about uh, letting us know. And I did. Um, I am so sorry that we don't have more time, um, but I want to oh, be sure geez. to uh, to announce, and, and you might be interested in this, uh, David, the results of our best film president election. As most of our wow. listeners know, September 30th was the deadline for voting. It ended in a tie, so I invited film historian James Colt Harrison to break the tie between Morgan Freeman and Harrison Ford, and his decision was... Morgan Freeman, in Deep Impact. So we have to congratulate Mr. Freeman, and thanks to everyone who who voted. But I should mention that Harrison Ford won our past two Best Film President elections for his splendid performance in Air Force One. Okay, time now to wrap things up. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out again to... Uh, David Spaltro, to the folks at blog talk radio for their support and to our producer extraordinaire, Nikki Starr, who couldn't be here today, but she's always uh, with us in spirit and she's very, very helpful and supportive and uh, special thanks to our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time when we'll be celebrating. And this is another, um, event that you'll be interested in, David, the 40th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You don't want to miss this one because the great Barry Bostwick reveals so much fun information about his experience as one of the key cast members. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. To get everyone in the mood for next week's Rocky Horror Picture Show Celebration, let's go out doing, you guessed it, the Time Warp.
0: It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness. Takes its time. But listen closely. I'm not for very much longer. I've got to keep control.